Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Junior Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. So here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, this is how the birth of of Jesus the Messiah came about. We're going to come back and unpack that story. But listen to Romans 8.28. The Bible says, we know that all things, everybody say all things. Turn to your neighbor and say all things. Yeah, we know all things, watch this, work together for the good of those who love the Lord. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. I want to set things up by, by sharing this story with you. When, when I was a little boy, my grandmother on my mother's side spent a lot of time at our apartment for this reason. My dad was often gone from our house either of his own free will or my mother would have a restraining order to keep him away from the house because drunkenness often got him violent. At any rate, when when dad was gone, my grandma always showed up and she was always there for us to help us and I always loved her for that. But I was thinking back on her this week because I have a lot of memories about her. To begin with, I remember she was a She was a big girl. She was. And she was strong. And at the same time, she was very gentle and very compassionate. And that endeared me to her as well. But one of the other things I love so much about my grandma was she was extremely creative. I mean, she loved to create good food in the kitchen. She loved to create good clothes at the sewing machine and, and... She loved to create beautiful tapestries like this one, which she would create through a process called cross-stitching. How many of you have ever heard of cross-stitching? Yeah, it's kind of a lost art today. Anyway, follow me here because when Grandma would come over, she was always working on a tapestry. But I never paid much attention to her work on the tapestry Because the work was always happening above me. And by that I mean I was so little when I was five, six, seven years old that even when Grandma was seated in the rocking chair, I was so little the work was always happening above me. Which meant I never saw the top side of the tapestry. I only saw the bottom side of the tapestry. And folks, if you've ever seen the bottom side of a tapestry, you know, the working end of a tapestry, you know it's pretty messy stuff. And so I would walk by and I would look up at that and I would, I would just, all I would see was just these meaningless strings. I mean, there were, there were frayed, turn it around, there were frayed strings, there were broken strings, There were random strings. There were tangled strings. 
There were loose end strings that just seemed to be going nowhere. And as I looked up at that, it just didn't make any sense to me. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of just wanted to say, you know, Grandma, what are you doing? I mean, Grandma, do you not realize that doesn't look like anything? That doesn't look like a bird. Grandma, that doesn't look like a flower. What you're doing up there makes no sense. And folks, I, I thought that and continued to think that till one day when I was about eight years old, Grandma took me up in her lap as she was working on one of those tapestries. And when I saw it from her perspective, all of a sudden, everything made sense. All of the loose strings and broken strings and random strings and strings that seemed to be going nowhere, all of a sudden, it made perfect sense. And I saw this clarifying truth. Grandma was working all things, I mean all strings, together. She was working all the broken strings and the frayed strings and the strings that didn't make any sense to me. She was working that all together to create this beautiful tapestry, this beautiful gift that she was going to give to us. And so, folks, what looked like a problem to me was actually a process through which, even though it looked confusing, it was a confusing process on my end, but it was a process through which she was going to provide us with this amazing, amazing tapestry. Does that make sense? Get it? Get it? Love it. All right, let me turn a corner and bring that over to our study because what an image of, of our lives. And by that, I mean our lives can look like the backside of a tapestry, can't they? You know, all of the things in our lives start to look like all of the strings on the backside of the tapestry. You know, broken hearts, for me, broken body, <laughs> random setbacks, frayed nerves, loose-end dreams and hopes and plans in our lives that just seem to not be going anywhere. And at some point, we, we look at our lives and, and we think, you know, our life doesn't look like anything. <laughs> you look at your life and you think, my life is not coming together the way I had hoped it would. And you think, this just doesn't make any sense. And who knows, maybe that's the way you feel today. Maybe you walked in and you're going, yep, that's, that's our life. That's our family. That's, my, that's, our, that's our hopes. That's, our, that's, what, that's, that's what it looks like. It doesn't make any sense. And I think we all get here at some point, don't we? Well, listen, if that's where you are today or have been or headed I've got great news for you, because by way of the Christmas story, God takes us up in his lap, as it were, and he shows us what he is doing from his perspective. And what we see is this very simplifying truth, and the simplifying truth is this, God is working all strings, I mean all things in your life. He is working them together for your good, 
to do something good for you. In fact, that text says, Romans 8, for we know that all, yeah, say all things. Yeah, all things work together. God's working it together. By, by the way, the w- phrase work together, soon ergeo in the Greek, soon means together, er, ergon, we get words ergonomics, means to work. Soon ergeo then means to work together. It's the word we get synergy from. You say meaning what? Meaning God, listen, God is taking all of it, all things in your life. That means the good and the bad. That means the right and the wrong. God is taking all of that stuff, the painful things, the hurtful things, the confusing things that you don't understand. God is taking all of those things and he's weaving it together like my grandmother. And even though it's confusing and even though you don't understand it and even though it doesn't make sense, God is working on something good for you. To put it in the vernacular, God is up to something good. Now, you might be saying, Rick, how, you don't know how tangled up our life is. <laughs> how, can, how can God turn good out of all of this confusing, confusion in my life? My life doesn't look like what I hope. How can God get good out of that? We're going to find out as we go back to the Christmas story. This is kind of kicking off the series, Simplify. In the new year, we're going to do a series called Simplify, and we're going to talk about uncluttering our lives. But today, I want to simplify, listen to this, as you head into the new year, I want to simplify everything. (laughs) And the simple truth is, it's all working together for your good. And nowhere do we see that anymore than in the Christmas story. So I want to give you three thoughts today as we unpack the Christmas narrative. How many of you have your listening guides right there in your, your worship folder? I want to give you three thoughts. If you're filling in the blanks, here they are. Number one, it's a wonderful life. Everybody say, it's a wonderful life. life. Even if you don't believe it, say, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, example in point, let's pick up the Christmas story. Verse 18, the Bible says this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now watch this, Mary... Mary was what? Pledged to be married to Joseph. Now stop right there and let me set the stage for us here. To begin with, when the text says Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, that is a lot like in our culture what we would call being engaged. They were engaged to be married. But here's what you need to know. Sex before marriage in that culture was completely off the table. It should be in our culture today. But I'm telling you, it was completely, you did did not do that. To to have sex before before marriage, for that to be found out was shameful. Shameful. And to get pregnant before you got married, oh, that was to be totally disgraced. If you got pregnant before you got married, you would be shunned, you would be ostracized, you would be disgraced. Now, just stay with me, a little history here. To begin with, in that culture, people got married a lot earlier than we do in our culture. In fact, Mary and Joseph may have been as young as 13 or 14, probably were 13 or 14 years old when Mary had Jesus. 
And you have to understand, parents actually encouraged this. They wanted their kids to get married early because their thinking was human beings start to have sexual urges, you know, in those early teens. And so their thinking was to prevent a teenage, I mean, a, a pre-marriage pregnancy, we're just going to tell our kids to just get married early when you start feeling the urge, 13 or 14. Now, kids, everybody, listen, all kids, bad idea, bad thinking. Not a good idea. Don't do that. At any rate, my point is this. Mary and Joseph were young. They had their whole life ahead of them. They had their hopes. They had their dreams. They had their plans ahead of them. In fact, to put it in the vernacular, it was a wonderful life. It was a wonderful life. But then, but then, write this down as A. The unexpected happened. Everybody say unexpected. Unexpected. Yeah, can I give us all a news flash? The unexpected always happens. (laughs) The unexpected disease happens. The unexpected divorce happens. The unexpected layoff happens. The unexpected turn in the market happens. The unexpected death of the child happens. The unexpected pregnancy happens. Example in point, listen to verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they even got married, watch this. She was found to be what? Everybody say it. Pregnant. Pregnant. Now, folks, that kind of trouble can make us think this, write this down as B. It can make us think, there goes my life. You ever had something happen to you and you thought, there goes my life, there goes my dreams, there goes my plans. Listen, Joseph's got to be thinking at this point, hey, I'm only a kid myself. How am I going to raise a kid? I am a kid. He had to be thinking, you know, there goes my life. By the way, by the way, my little wife, Rhonda, loves country music. Not me. God bless you. She loves it. And she shared this song with me a few months back, literally called, There Goes My Life. How many of you ever heard of it? It's by a guy named Kenny Chesty. Yeah, and, and, and the song, in the song, this teenage boy gets his teenage girlfriend pregnant. And in the song, he laments, there goes my life. <laughs> Could we listen to a little country today? No hate letters? All right, take a look. You'll get the idea. Take a look. All he could think about was I'm too young for this Got my whole life ahead I'm just a kid myself How am I gonna raise one? All he could see were his dreams Go So much for ditching this town and hanging out on the coast. Oh, well, those plans are long gone. 
Didn't know you were going to get a little country today, did you, when you came to church? <laughs> but hey, have you ever felt like that? You know, something, have you ever had something happen in your life that was so life-changing in a bad way that you thought, well, there goes my life, there goes my dreams, there goes my hopes, there goes my plans. Maybe we all have had moments like that. And let me tell you, Joseph certainly felt that way. And it was even worse for Mary because, because Joseph is, a, is planning to divorce her. In fact, listen to, listen to verse 19. The Bible says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her, Mary, to public disgrace, he had in mind to do what? Divorce He's going to divorce her. Everybody heads up. That would have been stupid. And stupid never fixes stupid, does it? I had a buddy of mine, his wife committed adultery, he said, I'll fix this. I'll commit adultery myself. It only made stupid stupider. Stupid never fixes stupid. But anyway, back to Mary, because Mary, is, her life has all of a sudden gone from it's a wonderful life to there goes my life. Because for her, she's got to be thinking, I'm 13. I'm 14 years old. I'm a child myself. My husband is about to divorce me. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to have this child. I'm going to be disgraced in the community. Her life was starting to look like the backside of the tapestry. And she's got, you know, maybe she's thinking, hey, God, what, what's up with this? God, this is a problem. But God knew that he had a plan. God knew, yeah, Mary, you've got a problem. I know that. And it's confusing. It doesn't make sense to you. But I've got a great plan for your life. In fact, write this down as number two, big number two. This is what I love about God. God works unexpected trouble into unexpected good. Doesn't he have a way to do that? God takes your unexpected trouble and he works it to, to good. Listen to verse Romans 8 again. We know... <laughs> That all things, what? Work together. God is working them together. Synergy, sooner get, oh, for your good. Example in point, back to the Christmas story. Verse 19, because, jo because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Everybody say, son of David. Yeah, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived from, in her is from God. This is a God thing. God is up to something. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus. 
Yahshua. The prefix Yah is Yahweh, God's name. Shua means to save. Yahshua, Jesus, means God. Say, you're going to call him. It was like saying, God saves. Why are you going to call him God saves? Because he will save his people from their sins. I love that. Because I'm telling you, Joseph went from despair to thrill in a nanosecond. And here's why. It's because that phrase, son of David, when that angel said son of David, that phrase has messianic significance to it. That has prophetic implications. Let me, let me explain to you. Theology claps on for a moment. Hundreds of years before the Messiah, before Jesus was ever born, God gave prophecies about that coming Messiah. A prophecy is a promise. That's all it is. It's a promise saying, I promise that's going to happen. So God gave 331 verbal predictive prophecies about the coming of this Messiah. For example, one of the prophecies in Daniel said, when he comes, he will arrive officially on April the 6th, 32 AD. God reached out 500 years before Jesus was ever born and said, that's the day he will ride into Jerusalem to the letter. And that's when he wrote in. God prophesied 500 years before, when he comes, he'll be born of a virgin. Another prophecy, when he comes, he'll be born in the city of Bethlehem. When he comes, he will have his hands and feet pierced in his death. When he comes, he'll be borrowed in a... Buried in a borrowed glade. When he comes, he will ride in on a donkey into Jerusalem. 331 prophecies, one of which was this. The Messiah will be born in the lineage of David, in the ancestry of David. Joseph was in that line. And so the angel is saying, Joe, son of David, you're in the line. Yeah, Mary's pregnant, but she's pregnant with the Messiah. She is pregnant with the Son of God. And I'm telling you, when that angel informed Joseph of that, he went from, there goes my life, to looking at that baby and going, there is my life. There's, there goes my life. He's looking at his wife, Mary, and this baby, and, they're, and going, there goes my future. There goes my dreams. Every time when Jesus and Mary walked by, as, as Jesus grew up, Joseph would go, there goes my life. In fact, let's go back to the, to the country song. Take a look, and I'll come back. Second part. Couple Best part. years of up all night and a few thousand diapers later. That mistake he thought he made covers up the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. He loves that little girl. Mama's waiting to tuck her in. As she fumbles up those stairs She smiles back at him Dragging that teddy bear sleep tight Blue eyes and mountain curls He smiles There goes my life There goes my future Everybody say, there goes my life. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true for us? 
Every time we think of Jesus, we think there goes our life, right? You see, you see what, what Joseph and Mary thought was a problem? What they thought was a problem was actually God's process to bless the whole world. Jesus would not only become their life, he would become our life. And by the way, that's so true. So, so just so we get this, write this down as one and two. This is so important. Often what we think is a problem is actually God's process. And by that, I mean, write this down as number two. God often has a process that leads to his what? His provision. In other words, just like my grandma had had to go through this process called cross-stitching to provide us with a blessing, and, and just like that, that process looked really messy and confusing and hard to understand, just like that, often what we think is a problem is actually God's process. And yes, it's confusing, and yes, you may not think it's good, but often it is the process through which God wants to bless you. Now, I have to give full disclosure here because a lot of times our problems are not from God. Sometimes they're just from life, aren't they? Sometimes they're from our own stupid mistakes, right? Sometimes they're from somebody mistreating you. But here's what you need to know about all of those problems. Write this down as B. It's all what? It's all good. In other words, it doesn't matter if your problems, you know, are from God. It doesn't matter if they're just life happening to you. You get lifed. It doesn't matter if, you know, somebody mistreated you. It doesn't matter if you did something stupid. It doesn't matter. All of it's all good. Because whatever it is, even though it's confusing and may not make sense, we know it's all working together. God's working on it. Give him time. Don't freak out in the process. In fact, here's your part. God is weaving things together. God's working on it. Here's your part. Write this down to see. You can't allow trouble to trigger self-pity. What does self-pity look like? There goes my life. Right? There goes my life. There goes my dreams. There goes my hopes. You cannot do that. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you know the name Candy Lightner? Anybody know that name? Nobody has yet. Let me tell you a quick story of Candy Lightner. That's in all services. Nobody's known it. Here's her story. Candy Lightner years ago received a phone call that turned her whole life upside down because the phone call informed her that her 13-year-old daughter walking to church had been hit by a car and had been killed. And so Candy's life went from, there goes my life, my daughter, my child, to there goes my life. My daughter's dead. There goes my life. <laughs> and folks, as if that weren't bad enough, Candy found out that the driver who hit her daughter was drunk when he hit her. And not only was he drunk, he was a repeat offender. And so now, Candy not only had to deal with the pain of this loss, she had to deal with the anger. Because frankly, she was mad at this man who hit her daughter. And suddenly, feelings began to rise up in Candy that she'd never felt before. Because she felt the anger and the rage of a mother whose child had been taken from her by a drunk driver. And right then and there, in her daughter's bedroom, Candy launched a movement. 
with no money, no resources, no influence, no experience, she'd launched an organization that she called MAD. You know what MAD stands for? Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. That organization has become one of the largest activist organizations in the United States of America. Through that organization, laws have been changed. Through her organization, lives, thousands, countless of lives have been saved. Why? Because Candy did not allow the trouble to cause her to self-sink into self-pity. To the contrary, the trouble fueled her mad plan, her mother's against drunk drivers plan, and that plan changed the world, changed America. You see, she had to be trusted with the trouble, didn't she? She had to be handed some trouble to get to something amazing, to leverage what was bad, to weave it into something good. You see, God was saying to Joseph and Mary, I got something good I want to do through your life. I want to send the Messiah to you. But the way I'm going to do it, the process is going to look confusing. And so during the process and during the trouble, you can't wig out. You can't freak out and say, there goes my life. So the question to Joseph and Mary from God would have been, can I trust you with the trouble? In fact, that raises the question for us, doesn't it? Write this down as big number three, and I'm going to close. Can God trust you with trouble? Can God trust you with trouble? You see, often God wants to provide us with something, but it's got to come through the tapestry, through the cross-stitching of trouble. You see, we, we, we like what God wants to provide. We just don't like the process sometimes, do we? And I totally get that. I was thinking back this week on how I personally blew my family's finances just a few years before we came to Miami. I blew it. Here's what happened. Rhonda and I had been saving for years and years and years, and we had saved up a considerable amount of money. And we were going to buy this gorgeous lot on this lake in Charlotte, where we lived at the time, and we were going to build our dream house there. We had the plans drawn up. This was going to be our dream home. This was the home that we were going to live and die in, and we were so excited. But folks, then I did something stupid. I signed all our money over by check to the builder. The builder told me, give me the money. I'll go buy the lot and start building the house. I signed every bit of the money over to him. Long story short, three days later, he files bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. And we lost all of it. All of it. And I remember thinking, there goes our future. How stupid could I have been? There goes our dreams. There goes our hope. There goes our life. And I remember just sinking, feeling, just being sick and thinking, how stupid could I have been? There goes everything. There goes our future. And my little wife's like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll just pretend like we just got married. I'm going, no. 
There, don't you understand, honey? There goes, there it got, it's gone. But you know what? God began to speak to my heart. And he began to speak to my heart. Rick, I know this is a problem, but I've got a plan. I've got a plan. And folks, it wasn't long till that plan became crystal clear. Here was the plan. God didn't want us to stay in Charlotte. God wanted us to come to Miami to launch a movement called Christ Fellowship. And it would be a movement that would influence far more people than we would have been able to help had we stayed in Charlotte. God wanted to put Rick and Rhonda Blackwood at the hub of the Latin America world, at the hub of the Caribbean world, at the hub of the world. And God wanted to use Christ Fellowship. He wanted to use you folks to, to create a movement of God that would plant multi-site churches all over Dade County, and not just locally, but globally. God had this plan in mind. But here's what God knew. God knew if he allowed us to build that house on the lake in Charlotte, when the toll came to go to Miami, we wouldn't have been so nimble. Had we put down roots in Charlotte and built that house on the lake, we wouldn't have been so, hey, let's go, let's go. You see, God knew roots in Charlotte, that house on the lake in Charlotte, would have stifled the plan he had in mind. So you see, so you see, God said, Rick, Rick and Rhonda, I'm going to have to give you some trouble. I'm going to have to take that house. I'm going to have to take all of your money. Because I'm up to something good. And you're going to have to trust me through the trouble. And you see, folks, what I, what I, what I came to realize is God didn't just want me to go through that trouble. God wanted me to grow through that trouble. Because when I got to Miami, there were so many challenges that were going to face me that if I didn't have faith, if I didn't have confidence, if I didn't have trust in God, I would never be able to get us through all of that. So God didn't want me to just go, go through the trouble of losing that house. God wanted me to grow through the trouble of losing that house. And by the way, he gave it all back in the end. And you see, I... I think God wants me to tell some of you that. Right now, it doesn't make sense to you. Right now, it's not all coming together. And you're confused, and you're bothered. And I think God's wanting me to tell you, he's up to something, up to something good. And he needs you to be patient. Don't freak out. And he doesn't just want you to go through this trouble. He wants you to grow through the trouble. So here's the question. Can he trust you with the trouble? Can he trust you not to freak out? Can he trust you not to wig out? But to know in your heart, to believe in your heart, to trust in your heart, he's going to weave this together into something good. I need to stop looking at the pain and start looking for the gain. I think that's what he wants you to, to know. You see, in 2019... We're going to face some challenges, aren't we? Can I give you some news? The unexpected is going to happen. It always does, doesn't it? We, we think we got 2019 all mapped out. The unexpected always interrupts that. The unexpected will happen. 
So we need to resolve right now that we're not going to wig out. We need to resolve right now. We need to, under, we need to, to, to embrace this simplifying truth. All things work together for good to those that love God. Amen? Will you put your arms around that before you step into 2019? As you head into this Christmas season, remember what, what, what transpired with Mary and Joseph and how it all worked out into something amazing, a Savior that's our life now? God's going to do the same thing in your life. So here's what I want to do before we head into the new year. I want to pray for all of us. Amen? We need it because the unexpected is going to happen. Some of you are going to get cancer. Some of you are going to get disease. Some of you are going to get setbacks, laid off. But we're going to resolve right now not to wig out. Amen? We're not going to say, there goes my life. So let me pray for us at all of our campuses. Every head bowed, and then I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come forward at the conclusion of the prayer. Let's pray together. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every soul here today at Christ Fellowship at all of our campuses, locally and globally. Lord, I know the new year will hold great things for us. But it's also going to hold some, some challenging things. God, things that we don't even have on the radar. Trouble will come. But God, may we trust that you will be working all things together for our good. May we resolve, therefore, not just to go through the trouble, but to grow through the trouble. God, may we make up our our minds right now that we will not just go through 2019, but that we will grow through this year, grow to love you more, grow to trust you more, grow to believe you more. And God, may we not be so hyper-focused on the pain that we lose sight of the gain that is ahead of us if we will only trust. God, we trust you with our troubles. We pray with all of our hearts that you will be able to trust us with those troubles as well. Lord, I speak for all of us. We love you so much. You are our life. When we think of you, we think there goes our life because indeed you are. And we love you so much. I pray this from all of us to you, Lord Jesus, for it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Christ Fellowship. I'm going to ask all of our campus pastors to come forward now. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. All things work together for good to those that love God. I love you all. God bless you. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.